thing in the face of the planet. Um, uh, cookies are just way more important than uh, going to the gym. So our resolutions, once that new wears off, then it just starts getting grueling. And it's hard to continue with things. Once the new's worn off, same thing's true with relationships. How many people have gotten into a relationship, and once that new wears off, it's like, whew, you used to be a whole lot more entertaining and a whole lot more fun, and now there's just you. Has anyone experienced that? Is it just me? Well, how do we stick with something? How do we develop perseverance? How do we develop that stick-to-itiveness? And it's, it's hard. It's not like it's, oh, well, everybody else can handle their New Year's resolutions, and you're the only weirdo that, that can't. This is all of us. This is all of humanity. So if you have a problem sticking to things, you are not alone. I want to read a verse out of uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Let's see. Clicker. I got new batteries in my clicker. Oh, sweet. I can have a laser too. I'm entertained by small things. That's why I'm going to live a long time. Okay, so Hebrews 12, starting in verse 1. Paul, I think it's Paul. We don't know for sure. I think it's Paul says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, it's talking about all those that have gone on in the faith before us, are gathered around heaven's balcony, looking down into us, cheering us on. So you have the Apostle Paul that's going, way to go, good job. So since we have this huge crowd of witnesses uh, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance. Ugh. Let's run with endurance the race that God has before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So keeping your eyes on Jesus is not going to help you diet this year for the most part. Um, he's talking about the race of faith, the, the faith journey that we're all on. Because the same way with your membership at the gym or your relationship with somebody else or you fixing up your Buick, your faith is going to start getting stale at some point in time. And all of us experience those times where we're really excited about Jesus and then those times that it's like, I'm done. I've been at church way too much. Christians are just kind of weird. I'm going to take some time away from everybody. Everybody goes through that. I'm a pastor. I work at a church, and I experience that. You are not a strange person. So Paul is saying let's run with endurance. And how do we run with endurance? We run with endurance by keeping our eyes on Jesus because he started this thing and he's going to end it. So we need to pattern our, our life um, to him. All of us feel the desire to get closer to the Lord. You think in like in the back of your mind, I'm not reading the Bible as much as I should be. I'm not giving to the poor as much as I should be. You come into a church and all you feel is the weight of things that you're not doing well enough, right? Is that just me? I'm not dressing well enough. I don't know the lingo. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough and nobody likes me. All of us experience that with Jesus. Like we come in here and we feel that we're supposed to be doing more than we are. And just right off the bat, I want to strip all of that stuff off of you. Your job as a Christian, as a believer, is to be loved by your father. That is your only responsibility. Your job as a son and daughter of the king is to be the recipient of his love. Everything else on top of that is gravy. If you want to go help out the poor, awesome. If you want to fast, cool. If you want to worship, awesome. Your number one goal is to love and be loved. That's all you need to take care of. Um, but I want to look at my fitness experience over the last few weeks and kind of pair it up with 
uh, some things that we experience in, uh, in church. So, a few weeks ago, I'm sitting there, like, you ever, like, do that in the mirror? It's like, oh. You ever brush your teeth, and after you get done brushing your teeth, parts of your body are still brushing your teeth? Has anyone else experienced that? There's a guy named uh, Kevin, I think it's Kevin James. He's got a stand-up routine called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. He's like, you know, when you're heavy, you don't really need an excuse to be sweaty. You answer the door, and it's like, man, have you been doing jumping jacks in the attic? No, I peeled an orange about an hour ago. Why? What's up? Well, I was experiencing that, and so I was like, all right, I've, I've let my weight kind of get outside of what I want to experience it as. By the way, I, don't, I couldn't care less. Like, you don't need to look like me. I don't need to look like you. I couldn't care less what you look like. I love you. This is not me saying, hey, you guys need to do this. Couldn't care less. I'm saying that I hit one of my things. I'm like, eh, I need with my blood pressure and all my stuff, I need to keep stuff this under certain levels so that I don't die when I'm 40. So I hit one of my levels. And I'm like, eh, I need to roll it back. So I get online. I start Googling things, and as we all know, when we start Googling things, we find a wealth of amazing information that, that is so helpful. There we go. Um, so I found online this uh, Back to Fit by Bill Phillips, and he looks like, you know, one of those guys. I don't want to look like one of those guys. But I started reading through uh, his fitness program, and it was something like, man, this is going to push me. Like, this is outside of my normal comfort zone. This is lifting weights not necessarily heavier than I want to lift, but it's lifting a whole lot more of them than I want to lift. It's running a little bit more than I want to run. But the website was mobile-friendly, so it works on my phone. So, like, when I'm in the gym on my phone, I'm probably on social media. But I'm also on, you know, my fitness app. And so tracking, you know, my weights, my sets, my pumps, you know, get swole, get gains. And, like, I've got five pounds up <laughs> on the spot. Um, so I know that there is a technological base to this, like the website looks cool. So the nerd in me kind of gets excited, like he can make a spreadsheet. <laughs> you guys ever get excited to make spreadsheets? It's the most exciting thing in the, in the world. Like Excel and Numbers are the two most powerful programs that have ever been invented by humans. And we get to experience, I get to make graphs. I get to color code my graphs. I get to schedule dates out. And I know my, I know my habits. I know that if I don't get to nerd out about it, I'm not going to stick with it. And so when you're picking out a fitness program spiritually, because <laughs> there's a tie-in, we are talking about Jesus. When you're picking out New Year's resolutions about like, hey, I need to start going to church more, or I, I need to get in the Bible, know where you are. Know who you are. Get with a group of people that you are going to be able to stick with. If I went and worked out some insane Lance Armstrong Dumaflachi program, I'm like, I am not going to stick with that. If I get with, like, Joe, you know, Lift Bro, I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to get embarrassed, I'm going to get depressed, and I'm going to not stick with it. So when you're getting involved in your Bible studies this year, when you're picking out a small group for us to get involved with, know who you are. Get with people that you can connect to. Get with people that you can stick in there with. So we, uh, we get a new plan out, and I go to Planet Fitness because all of 2016, I gave them money every year. It's like I just set a $20 bill on fire every year. Never walked into the front door, but they kept their lights on because of me, and they didn't have to clean up after me. Like It works out really great for them, not so much on me. So I get there, and I show up at the gym the, you know, my first day, 
And I'm, you know, like tired and I'm miserable and it's awful and I'm sweaty. And I walk in there and everybody knows what they're doing. Like there's like two guys that just are ripped, you know, and they're like doing the, that thing. And I don't do that in the mirror. Like nobody, nobody wants that. Like people like have the cutout shirts. And it's like, well, I would too if I looked like that. But I've got, you know, I've got layers on. And it's intimidating. You know how many scary machines there are at Planet Fitness? You know how many beautiful people there are at Planet Fitness? I'm like, where, where's my kettle ball? So, like, I feel intimidated. And I want to let you know, when people come into this place, they are intimidated. This is an intimidating place to be. We have a lingo that nobody knows. Did you know that, A, there is a thing called a kettleball, and it's measured in poods, not pounds. So it's like, lift up a one-pood kettleball. I'm like, okay, that's a typo, and I can do one-pood. Pood is not a pound. It's a completely different thing, and I didn't know that. And you see, like, I look on my app thing, and it's like, do a Roman deadlift. Like, okay. I'll, I'll get right on top of that. I have no idea what that is. I'm intimidated by everybody. Everybody looks like they have it way more put together than I do. And that's what we experience as a family of believers. We have our own lingo. Everybody looks like a hot shot because we all get in here. And there's that feeling just the same way that those big guys try to show off in front of other people at the gym. We try to show off in front of everybody here. We can't ever admit that, like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. It is a miracle that I made it up this morning. Like, we don't say that to each other. Like, how are you doing? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. Like, you are not. You are not. No one talks like that. You are not. Like, I know that your car just caught on fire. Just say, hey, life's in the pits. My car just caught on fire. Because when we try to show off in front of people, we create this exclusivity that keeps all of them out there and keeps all of us in here. And we get to stroke our fur and say, Look how good we're doing. Look how amazing we're doing. But we're not helping anybody else. So what do we have to do as the church? Well, we have to remember that this is an, there we go, that this is an intimidating place, and it naturally encourages people to lie about their abilities. And if you are lying about your ability, you are going to get hurt. Like if we come up to you and say, hey, do you want to start a small group? And you go, sure. And you know that you're not prepared to start a small group. All it's going to do is hurt you. So we have to overcome that intimidation by being super friendly, by seeing people and going, hi, you want to come hang out with me? I am a normal person just like you. I don't have a lingo that you don't have. I don't have like chiseled rock anything spiritually that you don't have. We're all in this together. So we create an even playing field that newcomers feel welcome. Newcomers to the faith, someone that's just now coming back to the faith. And by the way, this isn't saying like, church on the hill, you need to get your, you know, stuff straight and be able to do a whole lot better job. We do an amazing job at this. This is one of the things that we do incredibly well. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about us. I need to not show off in front of people and make sure that I'm connecting to people so that they don't feel intimidated to be friends with me because I am such an intimidating person. <laughs> um, okay, so I go to the gym and I feel welcomed. At like Planet Fitness, there's big things like don't be a show-off. And I'm like, all right, I can not be a show-off. I can, like, look at me not showing off. I can do that. I feel like that, though, on the inside, like <laughs> treadmill. I don't want to do the treadmill. It's dumb. Okay, so I hang out with people. I get to know everybody. Like, I'm starting to fit in a little bit. And I open up my uh, fitness app, and it's Roman deadlift. I'm like, okay. 
Well, I don't know what that is. Well, my fitness app thing, it has a little picture on it and like a little guy doing like a motion. It's like, okay, I can do that. But what kind of weight do I need to put on there? How many times do I need to do it? What, like, do I need to stand on my head while I'm doing this? Am I in a creatine loading phase when I'm doing this? Or am I in a protein loading phase when I'm doing all this stuff? There's a lot of stuff with working out. There's a lot of stuff with fitness. There's a lot of stuff with coming into the church that because it's intimidating, we don't ask for help. When you're going through things, you don't ask for help. You don't lean to the person next to you and go, hey, my life's falling apart. I don't go up to the guy, like the guy is paid by planet, he's paid by me to help show me how to work out. If I don't ask for help, what I'm going to do, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, if I don't ask for help, I'm going to be stuck in a cycle of ineffectiveness. I'm going to be doing exercises the wrong way. You're going to get involved in like small groups or you're going to get involved in service. And it's like when you're new to a church, like, why do people put their hands in the air? Like, does that not seem like the weirdest thing to you? Like, there's a lot of things. And if you've grown up in the church, it's perfectly normal to you. But for people that don't, it's like, I don't know what they're doing. Well, if you don't ever ask, you don't know what's going on. Like, when you see someone next to you that they're emotionally falling to pieces, well, if you never make friends, if you never emotionally or uh, relationally reach out, you can just say, well, they're just a crazy person. No, their life's falling apart. Like, why do we have small groups? For a very specific reason, because we fall apart without them. Ask for help. Don't feel intimidated. Don't feel like someone's going to make fun of you for asking a question. If you have no idea why people, like, show their armpits in worship, ask. If you don't know where to bring your kids, ask. Ask for help, because if you don't ever ask for help, you will be ineffective in your faith journey. You will also be ineffective um, at the gym. Okay. So, with someone needing to ask for help, subpoint, and this is kind of an important one with Christians. People need to ask for help. Don't feel that it's your responsibility to go around and be just the font of what everybody's doing wrong. Have you ever run into that guy at the gym that's like the know-it-all? It's like, oh, well, actually, you, you got to you, you do your thing. It's like, man, you mind your own business. You go on your little machine. You let me do my own little thing. It's like, no, actually, you know, like beach balls over here. needs to go over there. No one likes a show off. People need to learn how to ask for help themselves. They need to have a personal investment in seeking out knowledge. We don't need Christians going around telling all the other Christians all the other things that they're doing wrong. Hey, I have this knowledge, and you need this knowledge. Don't do that. Be cool, have relationships, be available to answer questions as people come up and make relational connections. Let people reach out without shoving all the different things. Well, you need this new Bible study. Well, you need this thing. Well, you need all this stuff. Like, let people grow at their own pace, but be available, be emotionally and relationally available. Okay, so I've asked for help. I've gotten over my pride. Um, it's way funnier than, uh, than I thought it was. Um, I've asked for help. I go up to the trainer and I go, bro, will you help me lift? Will you help me get these gains, these guns? And so the guy comes over and is like, okay, newbie, here's how you do your bench press. You know, you want to do this, da-da-da-da, and you engage these muscles and all this stuff. And I go, uh-huh. Man, look how good of a bench press you do. Can you show it to me again? I'm like, yeah, okay. Whoa, man, that's impressive. 
I can go onto YouTube and I can watch other people bench press and go, look at that bench press. That is an impressive bench press. My muscles don't do that when I bench press. Hey, man, next time I, uh, I have a set of bench to do, will you come over and show me how to do it again? It's like, yeah. So three months go by, and I've watched a lot of people bench press, but I've never done it. And everything's still flabby and nasty. If I don't actually crawl on the bench and put the weight up myself, it does me no good. So, and I know that, like, we throw out that statistic that people only uh, remember 5% of what we say. This is the 5%. So everybody turn, turn back on. This is the number one problem that I, that I see in the Western church, not, not just church on the hill. This is the problem that we have. We expect professional Christians to be doing our workouts for us. You say, well, man, that pastor, man, he knows how to pray. It doesn't matter if your pastor knows how to pray. It does you no good. You pray. My trainer, man, he can do bench presses like nobody's business. How amazing would it be if Eric Johnson could work out for all of us? How incredible would that be? He's out in the parking lot like bench pressing a truck. It's like, man, how good would it be if we could all benefit from him working out? But we can't. You have got to crawl on the bench. Not, I think, yeah, you do have to crawl on the bench at the gym. But you have got to be responsible for your own faith journey. We can answer questions. You can watch, yeah, there we go. You can watch all the YouTube videos that you want. You can be friends with the most amazing spiritually deep people in the universe. And it does you absolutely no good. You have got to crack open the word. You have got to study. You have got to research. We get bombarded by ideas for our things for us to do. You know what you should really do? You know what you should really do? We're doing a lot. You know what you should do? Hey, so-and-so's in the hospital. Have you checked on him? Have you called him? No, I think you should. Have you called him? You go call him. Um, one of the things I do here, so I'm helping out with youth, doing college, doing buildings and grounds, and also doing care ministry at Church on the Hill. And there's four of us on staff. If I am the only person in this church that is caring for this church, we will all flounder and die. Because even if I'm amazing, which I am, there is just not enough of me to go around. So that's why we all have to take the responsibility of the faith journey to do this ourselves. If you see someone that is in need, God has blessed you with the ability to put that weight up. And when you put that weight up, when you help out with a dumaflachi, when you help out with a small group, when you bring an hors d'oeuvre to a thing, when you go deliver presents to a family that's in need, when you go call somebody that's in the hospital, when you pray for the sick, man, that's how, that's how people change. You can start going like, look at me. Um, when I was doing um, our video announcements, looking at me two weeks ago, looking at me now, because everybody sees themselves in the mirror. But when I was, like, going back and forth, it's like, ooh, look at him. Less of me. Awesome. So I'll start wearing, like, slimming black clothes and stuff like that. I can start noticing a change. And when I start noticing a change in my lifestyle, ooh, man, it fills me with so much passion. I'm like, I'm going to go to the gym right now. Go 
carry heavy things and go put them in other places. I want to go run, and I want to go eat right, and I want to go do all this stuff because it fills me with excitement and energy. And when you are on the front lines of your own faith journey, when you are the one that's making a difference in people's lives, man, the universe comes unglued around you. One of the problems that we experience at Church on the Hills, one of my friends uh, came up to me and was like, is church worth it? Like, man, it's a pain. It's like, yeah, sometimes it's a pain. It's a pain to be around people sometimes. I'm introverted. I, I know how frustrating it is to be in a room full of people. It's like, I really just want to be in bed. I, I feel that. And he says, why do you do it? Like, why, why do you stick in there? Because I've been in this church for a long, long time. Why do you stick in there? It's because of the people. But the problem is the most amazing things that happen at Church on the Hill, none of you ever know about it. Because it's people giving to other people, meeting needs, fixing things. that like Because we don't say, hey, by the way, I, gave, I rescued this person out of bankruptcy. No one ever does that. We would throw eggs at someone if they did that. Because we don't like arrogant people. But unless you're in the office, unless you see the emails, unless you are, like there's two different curtains. There's one curtain that like first time people see. And it's like, oh, everybody's happy and friendly, nice and ah. Oh. This is an exciting place. Everybody remembers their experience at Church on the Hill where it's like, whoo, this is exciting. And then you stick around long enough to come behind that curtain, and then you see, like, it's not fake that's on the other side of the curtain, but, like, you're nice and you're also annoying. Like, you, like, have you ever done that with your family members, your brothers and sisters? You love them to pieces, but, man, I'll love you over there. You go over there. Let me stay over here. And you get in that phase, and that's where all of us are. But there is another curtain that very few of us get to see, and it is the most amazing parts about the body of Christ. And it's the stuff, and it's, it's secret stuff that I can't tell you about that people don't want to know about, or people don't want you to know about the things that they're doing. I wish I could show you what people are doing in this church. But if you are not on the front lines of your faith, you get stuck in between those curtains, and you think, eh, it's just church. Yeah, who cares? It's amazing. So you get on the front lines of, uh, of your faith. So, yay. So 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is saying, we do know Paul's writing to the Corinthians here. Paul's saying, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that one day is going to fade away. Gold medals will eventually fall apart. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not, let, I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not doing air squats. I discipline my body like an athlete, training so uh, it should, or that it would do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself become disqualified. So I get in the gym. I'm all right with everybody. I get in a church, and I'm all right with everybody. I'm not intimidated. I start making relationships in the gym. I start making relationships in the church. I'm asking for help. I'm on the front lines of my faith. I'm on the front lines of my personal uh, uh, weight goals. I'm making a difference. I'm making a change. I'm an active member in my life. But, man, there is a right way to do things, and then there is a wrong way to do things. I cheat so many times on me lifting up heavy things. Do you know that you can do a bench press that's supposed to target certain muscles? And, like, you can, like, put every muscle that you've got in your body in order to lift up something heavier so that you can show off to everybody else. But you're not using the right muscles. 
what you should do is decrease your weight so that you can do the workout the right way. And even though that it doesn't look as impressive, you're doing it the right way. There is a way to run this race of faith, and then there's a wrong way to do it. And so many times we as believers try to accomplish spiritual things by natural means. Have you ever gotten mad at your kids and like you lost your temper and you screamed at them and they instantly obeyed? That is such an addictive thing because I know how to get you to do what I want you to do. I can use fear and intimidation to make you obey. You can do that, but you have to pay the price for that eventually. When you show up at the gym, you can do the workout the wrong way, but eventually you will have to pay the price for you doing the workout the wrong way. We have got in the gym, we have got to use the muscles for the exercises that we need to. And in the family of faith, we have to do things God's way. I can't use fear, guilt, intimidation, manipulation in order to make you do spiritual things. I could, and I could get results, but they would be hollow results. You ever turned on TV and, you know, you hear Sarah McLaughlin in the arms of an angel like, puppies, please give to the puppies. They're playing those songs to tug on your heartstrings because they don't care about getting it the right way. They don't care if you're invested in a lifelong uh, puppy rescue program. They want your money right there. And so they play an emotional song to tug on your heartstrings in order to get a response out of you. Well, eventually, um, this is something uh, telemarketers do. Like, I've got a local company in town that will not call me. I've blocked four or five different numbers because they're trying to get me to come in and do a service. And I'm like, I will never step foot in your door ever again because you are trying to get me the wrong way. Okay, I want to read a verse out of uh, uh, Corinthians. <laughs> there we go. 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and angels, but I didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of knowledge, or if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains and didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I had to the poor, even sacrificed my own body, if I jumped in front of a bullet for somebody, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So with us doing it the right way here in church, we have got to use the resources that God's given us. We can't use, you know, boasting, and I can't be all big and bad. I've got to do things God's way. So how do I learn about God's way? I ask for help. <laughs> if I don't know how to do something, I ask for help. What does the Bible say about this? I have got to take personal responsibility for my own faith journey. I have got to go jump in the Word. I have got to go on YouTube. Like, we live in the information age. There are billions of resources at your fingertips for you to learn God's way of doing things. You don't have to worry about being ignorant about it. Like, who cares? No one's going to judge you for not knowing something. Go find it out. Okay, so I do all this stuff. I'm like, I'm like going to the gym, I'm, doing, I'm using the right muscles, and after six months, I notice nothing. In actual fact, I've gained body fat. Have you ever done that, like just gone crazy at the gym and it result in nothing? Well, it's because I didn't scroll down my fitness app far enough to hit the nutrition part. <laughs> nutrition. There we go. Meal plan, bro. There's a saying that you can't outrun a bad diet. Okay, so say I go out here and I eat a donut. I've eaten a donut. And, like, for five minutes, it's just like, oh, donut. 
We all experience that. We've all gotten off two weeks or uh, two months of, oh. We all know what that feels like. But for me to run off that donut, I have to run for like a mile. A mile. I have to run to my house to burn off a donut. And who eats one donut? Nobody. Crazy people do. Crazy people eat only one donut. So after my five donuts, running five miles. Don't judge me. You've eaten five donuts in a sitting, haven't you? (laughs) Run five miles. It takes me an hour to run three miles. Or I can just go, no, I'm not eating your fatty, nasty, awful donut. No, I'm not doing it. I'm strong enough. I don't need no donut in my life. I'm an independent, strong man. I don't need your donut. I can do that. You can't outrun a bad diet physically and spiritually. There are times that we get in here and we're given the food program. I packed up a box, got my armpits open in worship. We're doing this. I got baptized and do all this stuff. But like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I am feeding on just absolute garbage. I turn on the news and I just flood my veins with cortical steroids and fear. We just let fear watch over us when we're reading the news, right? Has everyone turned on the news and just been like, oh, no, the world's falling apart. It's the worst it's ever been. The world is falling apart. It's not falling apart. The world's actually not the worst it's ever been. It's just the news. We feed on absolute garbage, and we get frustrated that we're not making headway in our faith. It's like, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. Watch your nutrition because once what, what goes in has to come out. And if I'm feeding on fear and anger and manipulation, I will use that. That will come out of my body. I used to have a, a buddy that I worked with. This is horrible. This is going to be one of the worst stories that I ever tell. So just everybody got really excited about it. He drank like a fish. Man, he drank like a fish. He had a big old voice like this, big old belly. And he would sit there, and he would come into work and just be, like, hungover as all get out. And he would, like, put his hands on his belly. And it would be, like, July. It's 140,000 degrees. We worked on asphalt, and he would just sit there and sweat. And he smelled like turpentine. It's like, I can smell, like, Do you know what your liver feels like right now? Like, if your liver is doing stuff to you to make you smell like that, something is not right. And that stuff would just come out of him, and he would reek to high heaven. It's like, buddy, do you need to go home? No, I need to go to work. Like, man, maybe drink less. He's sober now, by the way, actually. And he's actually um, an addiction counselor at a – never mind. Don't worry about where he works. I caught myself. Are you proud of me? What goes into you will come out of you, and we can tell what you, what you feed on by, like, when you get hit, what comes out of you. Focus on your nutrition. Uh, like, what they told me, it's like 80% what we eat, 20% of gym time. It doesn't matter if I spend four hours a day at the gym. If I'm not eating right, it comes out. All right. Okay, so why do all this stuff? Why go through the big rigmarole? of all this stuff. It's frustrating. It's tiring. I don't want to, I don't want to do it until I do video announcements and I notice things start shrinking. Why? It's worth it, man. It's worth it. The results of me not dying when I'm 40 is worth it. 
me being around here for my family, it is worth the frustration and the stress and the whining and complaining and the sweat. I'm sweating my lifeblood out on this stupid purple rug thing at Planet Fitness. It's worth it. Why do I hang out at Church on the Hill? Like my, uh, my buddy was asking me, why do you hang out with those people all the time? It's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. If you will take responsibility for your own faith journey, if you will push in 2017, no one likes to show off. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be Superman. But if you'll push a little bit harder in 2017, do it God's way. Ask for help. Get involved in a faith community. I promise you the results in your life will be worth it. You can be one of those people on that other uh, curtain that I'm like, I have a story about this person I can't tell you because I can't tell you. You can have one of those things. You can change the universe of people in your life. Um, I just read a book talking about, um, can't recommend it because it's bad language. Um, but the, the idea behind it was the uh, working class people in Appalachia and how everybody is raised by their grandparents. Because it's hard. It's hard to raise a kid. And so these grandparents, these amazing grandparents, swing in. They've already raised their kid. Man, it's retirement age. Get out of my house, you snotty-nosed brat. Like, that's how I would be. But no, these grandparents give up their retirement in order to preserve the next generation. And is it worth it? It's worth it. Is it hard? It's hard. I would not be here if my grandmother didn't step up and take the responsibility for me. It's worth it. Was it hard for her? Yes, it's hard for her. Do you know how much of a brat I was? Like, even when I was at my sweetest, it's like, it's not really that sweet. It's like, it's beyond Twilight Delight Ghirardelli chocolate. Oh, it's just, that's not sweet enough. When you stand up and you make a stand, not only for Christ, but in your faith community, in the church, in your faith journey, the results that you get on the other side of it are worth it. Is it hard? Ooh, yeah. It's hard, but it's worth it. So go ahead and stand up, <laughs> and let's all go eat. <laughs> I'm going to go put food in boxes because meal plan, yay. Father, we